Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. The men on the other side of that table do not want to hear it, and if I speak it, they're going to hate me for, for that. They're very powerful in their society, these Pharisees. Verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him. They didn't didn't believe the blind man. That he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? They, They wanted to get to the bottom of this. They're hoping that they look over and go, that's not our son. But that's not what happens. How then does he now see? How? how? Who, not who healed him. They know by now who healed him. But they're not asking who. They're asking how. How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, well, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, the Messiah, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, "Um, he is of age, ask him. They don't want to get involved in this. They know what the consequences of telling the truth are. They don't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. Synagogue was everything in their society. It was the hub of their wheel of life. Everyone came to the synagogue to worship. Everyone came to fellowship. Everyone came to hear teaching. Everyone needed to come to make a sacrifice for their sin. They didn't want to get kicked out. This is not a good deal. So they pass the buck. They deflect so they don't have to to tell the truth. Listen, it's always better to fear God than to fear man. It always is, 100% of the time. Proverbs 29, 25 reveals this. The fear of man brings a snare or a trap. The fear of man brings a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You know, a lot of times, you, you, know, you, gotta tell, you have to tell the truth about God when, when asked. The truth will always set you free, the Bible says. But telling a lie will always bring a trap. The blind man's spiritual eyes were being opened to Jesus in waves here. First, he saw him as a healer. Then he saw him as the prophet. But now he's going to get hit by the third wave as he thinks about this. The blind man saw Jesus also as a man of God. Remember, this is a hearing in a courtroom, and the Pharisees are the, are the prosecutors with the high priest being the judge. He's going to rule over this at the very end. And, and, and the, these prosecutors, these Pharisees, want it to be in their favor, of course. They had a lot of power, and they were used to intimidating even the most schooled Jew, let alone this common beggar who they had no respect for. 
But this beggar has had enough of all these questions. And the court is about to get schooled like they had probably never been schooled before, especially considering who the teacher was, an uneducated beggar. Here comes verse 24. So they again called the man who was blind. Bring him back in here. They're going to ask him now for the third time. But they're going to... They're going to stick their finger in his face. Here we go. The Pharisees are speaking. Give God glory. I looked this up, and I pulled it apart. And while it may seem like they're telling him to glorify God, what this is, it is an admonishment like you would admonish any witness in court. Do you swear to tell the whole truth? Nothing but the truth. So help you, God. That's what this literally means. This is where we got that from. Give God glory, meaning don't lie. Everything that comes out of your mouth now must give God glory. And then they perjure the witness. (laughs) We know that this man is a sinner. You can't say that in court. Let me like standing up. How do you like, you know, start a trial that way? Hey, go ahead. Do you promise to tell the whole truth or nothing but the truth? Um, and we know this guy uh, did the crime. Don't you, aren't we supposed to talk about this first before we make that decision? No, they just want to run to the end. We know he's a sinner. So therefore, come along with us on this journey, and you're going to help us convict him. That's what they're telling him. They're giving him one more chance. He knows this. He knows exactly what this is about. So the blind man answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. He's had it. He's just going to cut it off right there. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? And here's that word, how. How did he open your eyes? He answered them again. Here it comes. I told you already, and you did not listen. Whoa, (laughs) careful who you're talking to. This is the judge and the jury, you know. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? (laughs) A little, (laughs) you know. He's had it with the questioning. He's told the truth three or four times now, and they don't want the truth. And he's not going to give them anything but the truth. You can keep asking the question, but I'm going to keep giving you the same answer. He, I was blind. This man told me, uh, he put mud on my eyes from his spit, told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash it off. And, And the second that I put water on my eyes, I looked up and I could see 2020. I don't know what you don't understand about this. Maybe you want to be his disciple. Go ahead and follow him. You can imagine how they react to this statement. Verse 28, then they, the, the Pharisees, reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we, we're Moses' disciples. See, Moses was the highest human being that, you know, they revered Moses very highly. We know that God spoke to Moses. (laughs) That much we know. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. 
Is that a true statement? How many times now has Jesus said where he's from? How many times now has he said who he is? And they keep asking him, well, who are you? And Jesus is like, do you not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Am I speaking a foreign language here? I've told you. So they're still claiming we do not know where he is from. The man, remember, this man is, is, is a common beggar, blind since birth. He doesn't have the depth of schooling that most people have, let alone these Pharisees, and he's trying to school them. The man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing. You do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. This is interesting, he looks at him. This truly is marvelous. This man goes around doing miracles, <laughs> and you don't even know where he's from. There's an air of suggestion that they're ignorant. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Verse 31, he continues, Now, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Sounds like this man's speaking from experience. Wait a minute, hold on. You're saying he's a sinner, but God doesn't listen to sinners. He doesn't listen to their prayers. He doesn't do their will. But anyone that is a worshiper of God, holds God up in worship, and does his will, he hears him, suggesting that this man can't be a sinner. Verse 32, he continues. He's going to give them a little history lesson now. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Listen, nowhere else in Scripture will you find someone healing a person born from birth. Nowhere. Jesus did that. Not once, not twice, but three times. And he's pointing this out to them. They answered and said to him, now they're really mad, you were completely born in sin. You know, when you lose the argument, then you start attacking the person. <laughs> we talked about that last week. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins, and you are teaching us? How dare you? And they cast him out. He just lost his right and privilege to be inside the temple. <laughs> he may have been born in sin like they claim, but he would not leave this world in sin. And with that, they took his right away to be in the temple area. He would not be allowed to hear the daily teachings or bring a sacrifice. This was a big loss to a Jew. This is the place they congregated. Everyone, you know, on the Sabbath came. And daily even, many of them went to hear a teacher who had come into town to teach. This was the center of their world. This was a big loss, but what he was about to gain would put all of it to shame. Jesus came for the outcasts like him. Jesus came for those that lived on the edge of society that had been judged. Jesus came for them. Jesus said, I did come. I came, you know what? I came for the sinner. I came for those who are sick. I, Hey, the well, and he, you know, he's referring to the Pharisees who, who claim to know it all. I didn't come for people like you that, that don't want to even receive me or hear from me. I came for him. 
And you know what? Here's the great news this morning. He came for you. And he came for me. You know that Jesus had you on his mind as they drove the nails through the palms of his hands. He had you on his mind. And he had me on his mind. That's no small thing. In the first wave, the blind man saw Jesus as a healer. In the second wave of of realizing who he is, he saw him as a prophet. In this last one, in the third wave, the blind man saw Jesus as a man of God. That's what he calls him. He must be a man of God. He's not a sinner. And in the fourth wave, the blind man saw Jesus finally as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Well, he got cast out, and he's probably grieving that a little bit. Can you imagine? You know, we play a little game around the table at our house called high-low. At the end of the day, we ask the kids, what's your high and what's your low? Well, my high was scoring a, you know, a touchdown at the flag football game. Oh, yeah, that was great. What's your low? Uh, you know, homework or, you know, whatever it is. And then Debbie and I have to, have to do it, too. They, you know, we play, too. But can you imagine this man's high-low? I can see! <laughs> I got kicked out of the temple. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> Notice, though, that Jesus, how he speaks to the Pharisees, how he speaks to those that are arrogant and full of pride, he speaks to them very sharply. He tells the truth every time. Now he's going to talk to someone he came for, someone who's on the outside of life, that's lived a very difficult circumstance. Now he's going to deal with him in a very different way. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, stop right there, he found him means that he went looking for him. You don't find something unless you're looking for it. Jesus heard that he got kicked out, and he probably went, good. He doesn't need them anyway. I don't want him around them. And he found him. In the crowd of people that numbered over a million, that it, you know, this, is, this was right after a big Jewish celebration so there, there's perhaps a million people in Jerusalem, this not very big town. But he goes through the crowd, and he goes to find this man. He found him because he was looking for him. What's your story this morning? Have you been running from God? Listen, there's a nickname for God. He's called the Hound of Heaven. He'll hunt you down. Go ahead and run, but he'll chase you down, and he will present you opportunities to come to Christ. He'll give you opportunities to turn your life around, and this morning is an opportunity for you. I don't know if it's your last one. I don't know if you have another two or three or five or ten, but I'll guarantee you this. I would not leave this building today if I didn't know where I was going to go. Should I go out into eternity tonight? I know that I know that I know where I'm going when that happens. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen after death. 
Some comedian said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> not probably say amen to that, but I'm not afraid after death. I know where I'm going. Jesus has made a promise. Read John chapter 4. I can't wait to get to 14. We're going to take 24 weeks to do just that. <laughs> I go to prepare a place for you if you're wondering. Jesus makes a promise. He's prepared a place for every one of us that have given our life to him. He's there now preparing it. Can you imagine what it's going to look like when we get there? No, we can't. <laughs> the answer to that is no. We can try. It's going to be amazing. It's going to blow our socks off, but we can't comprehend the beautiful things that God has in store for us. So this morning, I would tell you that if you're on the run, just stop. Let him find you. Let him tell you the gospel through this message or through someone else and surrender your life. Stop running. Stop running. We see Jesus seeking the lost in our story, and the motivation of his search is love. He's going to love this man. You're going to see their conversation is a beautiful one. He knew that the beggar had willingly given testimony of him, of Jesus, and, had it, and that caused him to be kicked out of the temple for good. Following Jesus, listen, following Jesus will cost you something. It will cost you something. It, yeah, it's in, in a free ride. Salvation's free, but afterwards, it's going to cost you something to stand up and te- give a testimony of Jesus and what he did in your life. It might cost you your reputation. It might cost you a job. It might cost you a relationship. It will cost you something. Jesus said it will cost you something. You know, they hated me. They're going to hate you too. But listen, I've overcome the world. And Jesus then said, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. You won't ever handle, you won't go through any trial or tribulation that I won't be there with you and for you. Jesus said, never said that following him would be easy. He only said this, that it would be worth it all when we see him face to face. Then we'll know. This was worth it. Everything was worth it. Everything I could give up on earth pales in comparison to what I'm gaining in heaven. One day you'll say those words. The disciples had given up much too in order to follow Jesus. And the Savior promised them that anyone who would sacrifice the world uh, would be paid back far more in heaven, in the life after, but also in this life. In Mark, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. In essence, anyone who gives up the temporal things of this world and this life and forsakes them for proclaiming Jesus in the gospel will receive eternally both more in this life and in the life to come. Listen, you give your life to Christ, your life will begin to change like you can't even imagine. Why? Because now you have the Holy Spirit, God living in you, speaking to you, encouraging you, giving you uh, wisdom as you read the Bible, giving you direction. Father, what should I do about this? 
help me to come to a decision. He will begin to speak truth into your life. He'll begin to guide you if you'll follow him. He'll take you where you always wanted to be but didn't know it. I didn't know this is where I wanted to be until I started following him. And then he took me on the greatest ride uh, of my life. I couldn't even imagine all of, half the things happening that have happened so far. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? The blind man answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and a little play on words there, because now you can see, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. There's an exclamation point after that. That's why I shout. <laughs> See, we read the word and go, Lord, I believe. No, this man, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him right there in the middle of the crowd. He worshiped Jesus. This formerly blind beggar had given up something precious to himself in order to give Jesus glory, but the life Christ would live after the Christ, the sacrifice he would make would forever fill him with joy, purpose, and power as he went testifying of the one who had healed him and then found him and saved him. Do you see the two difference? Pharisees don't want Jesus. No, no, mm mm-mm. And so Jesus has harsh words for them. In fact, he's already told them twice. You keep this up, you will die in your sin. But to the beggar, he says, you want to meet the Savior? Yes, show me where he is. I'm standing right in front of you. He makes a profession of faith, and then he worships Jesus right where he's at. You see, it's not enough to see Jesus as a good man, a healer, a prophet, or even a man of God. Each man or woman must come to believe in him as the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist proclaimed. Over in the epistle, 1 John 5, 1, the apostle wrote these words as well. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, a.k.a. the Messiah, the Savior, has become a child of God. Wherever Jesus taught, the Pharisees would usually follow him and trying to catch him in a trap. And on this day, they follow him to the blind beggar. They hear all the words. They see this man worship Jesus, and I'm sure they bristled. But they're standing there, still refusing Jesus, still refusing the one who came to pay for their sin. So they will continue to live in spiritual blindness. Verse 39, and Jesus said, for their benefit, for judgment, I have come into this world for those who do not see may see and that those who may see may be made blind. Let me read this again. For judgment, I have come into this world that those who do not see, he's talking about the blind man here, and that those who may, or those who see may be made blind. Jesus came to give him sight not just physical sight, although that was awesome for this man, but he opened the man's heart as well. The man opened his heart to Jesus. And while the Pharisees could see, they were still blind and dead in their sins. 
Verse 40, then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Now, in the context of the Greek here, that demands a negative response. So you might read it this way. We are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, hmm, we see, we know the truth. Therefore, your sin remains. The pride in these Pharisees prevented them from yielding their life to Christ. And this morning, I ask you a question. What's keeping you from Christ? What's keeping you from giving your life to Jesus right now if you haven't done so already? Why don't you do so this morning? Surrender your life to Christ so that you can become a child of God with all the benefits, all the inheritance of any child. Come to know him as your savior. It's the greatest decision anyone can ever make. Looking back in heaven, we'll realize that. The best single decision I ever made on planet Earth was yielding my life to Jesus. Let's pray. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.